And so it is. Dear Shambra, that we gather together in this space, in our own dimension, in our energy of Shambra, to begin the next series, the teacher series. A time that we have waited for, a time that we have longed for, a time that you have all prepared for, for, for quite a period of time. <laughs> oh, the stories that um, we're going to tell, <laughs> the, the stories that we have to share with you, some now, some when you get back here, some when you come to visit at, at the cottage. Amazing stories about what has happened in these last seven years with you. You could write volumes just with your, your own story. We knew something special was going to happen on earth. At the time when you began gathering your energies as Shambra, seven years ago, it wasn't known exactly how we would get through this whole transition time. It was generally felt on our side that there wasn't going to be any earth catastrophe, that the energies of earth, particularly through the preparations that were done with the cryon, had adjusted and balanced the magnetic grids above earth and in earth to relieve much of the pressure and tensions that were built up within, but that it would still take diligent work on behalf of those who would call themselves spiritual workers, who would call themselves divine human angels. Tremendous work in continuing to evolve the consciousness of humanity. There were questions on our side as to whether there would be wars that would disrupt this whole process of consciousness unfolding. But there haven't been. There haven't been any major wars. We know that it always seems to be right on the edge. Right now, even in the lands of the Middle East, it seems to be on the edge. But there's something that always seems to to keep it from going too far. And as the consciousness of those who are working on the planet right now, as spiritual energy movers, as spiritual teachers, to prevent it from going too far, to allow those who are, who are wanting to make a consciousness shift in their life to do it without getting stuck. There wasn't a written plan in all of this. We, together with you, had our dreams and our aspirations of how things could go. We knew that we had what we would consider from our side and from yours, a very short amount of time to work with. Going back from August 1999, when the energies of Chambre came together, even if, even if you didn't even know what the Crimson Circle was at that point, you were still working with Chambre. You were still working on your side to begin to bring these energies together as we were working on our side. In seven years of time, you've made tremendous progress. We knew that there were, there were timings. We knew that, that there was this thing called the quantum leap. Even back then, we didn't know the exact date. We didn't know when it would take place, but we knew it was coming. 
There was a tremendous amount of consciousness shifting you had to do on your own part. And again, none of us knew how it would turn out. There were, and there is, what you would call another team that has been ready to come in. Humans who are not in human form right now, they're on the angelic realms, waiting to come in in case the job got too overwhelming for any of you, in case this whole group of Schaumburg decided to to let the next wave come in and take over. Angelic beings who are ready to come in and take on human bodies and take over where you might have left off. But you haven't left off. You've endured. Very, very few Shambra have actually dropped out. A few have come back to our side because they felt they could be more help from here. A few along the way have which would say dropped out or gone other directions, but the integrity of Shambra energy has stayed intact through some of the most difficult circumstances that you could imagine in your life. You have stayed intact. So it is an honor, it is actually a ceremony today for us to begin this teacher series. If you take a feel of the energy in this room or wherever you happen to be joining us from, there's something different, different than any other shout that we've done. Not only is it the beginning of the teacher series, a landmark, new beginning, but if you take a moment to just feel the energy, if you want to breathe it in, sense it, with your body, your mind, your spirit, and definitely with Nost. As we begin the teacher series, there is no more feeding taking place. No more feeding. Now, there was feeding taking place on a variety of different levels. When, when we first gathered together with you as Chambra years ago, oh, the feeding was heavy. You would come here to feel the energy and, and to feed off of it. Not that there's anything wrong with it, it was just it was just what you needed at the time. You needed that replenishment and that rejuvenation. And we were prepared and we did provide it. We brought in energies from our guests, we brought in energies from the other realms, we brought in energies from Gaia, so that you could rejuvenate yourself. You could build your energy back up. We had feeding taking place from many other entities, who you wouldn't call Shambra, entities on our side of the veil, who would gather around, and they have every right to, but they would also feed off the energy in this room. We had beings who are no longer in body, who are on our side, who are confused and lost. Some of them have a type of vampire energy. They would feed off of anything. They would come into the room as well. Dark energies, as you would call them, would come in here. Sometimes you could feel them. Sometimes you could feel the fear, the coldness, the emptiness come in. And, and of course, most of the time you just thought it was you. <laughs> but these beings would come in here to feed because that was the balance or the ratio of energy during those Shambra gatherings. 
But after what you have gone through in these last few months, after the shouts that you have helped to create and deliver, you've also created a different type of energy in these shouts. No feeding. If you notice today, there are no outside entities, there are no ghosts or, or even angels who are taking energy out of this room. Right now, as we are speaking with you, you are not taking energy from us. You're just simply here, a sovereign being, not having the need to feed, to take. You are a sovereign creator who is actually building your own energy, actually using that energy to radiate out to all others who will come upon this material at some point in the future. You are giving them your light, your love, your energy. So it is quite different in the room here today, a different type of shout. We move into the Teacher's Series. We move into the true work, the reason why you came here to Earth. Today, today we're going to take it a little bit easier. Today there won't be any direct guests. As always, there are many, many beings who join us in the third circle, just to observe, just to see how you are doing here on Earth. Sometimes we invite in a direct guest who adds their energy balance. But today, we want you to feel your energy in this shout. There's no need for any specific guests. Much has transpired in your consciousness in the past two months of time. In the past two months, you have allowed everything to speed up. Perhaps it hasn't necessarily manifested in your physical life yet. But you allowed consciousness to speed up quickly so we could begin this series, so we could begin the teaching work. You wanted to begin it even before the quantum leap. A few of you have wondered, why didn't we wait to, to start all this teaching, to, to make the shift of the Chambra energy after or even at the point of the quantum leap? Because Chambra as a whole felt that it was important to do it now, to begin your teaching work, to get the experience as a teacher now, so you are prepared, you are ready to handle all of the energies that will come in at the time of the quantum leap. So we prepared a bit different energy for this day. No guests, no um, long lectures, no challenges. I'm not going to push you to the limits as I am known to do sometimes. Certainly not as bad as Adamus. I wanted to start this series off first with a discussion about teachers. What is a teacher? Many of you, all of you, have some idea, some stereotype of a teacher in your mind. Teachers that you had in your early years in grade school, teachers you had in the upper classes, teachers you had in college, they become your example or your stereotype of a teacher. You've also had spiritual teachers. 
You've gone to their classes and you've taken their courses. So you have a, an idea of what a teacher is. You have a basis for it. But the teacher of the new energy is also different. You don't necessarily need to be in front of a class. You don't necessarily need to be with a group. You're a teacher every moment of every day in your life. Even if you continue going to the same job that you've had for a while, even if you don't go out and sit in front of a class of humans, you're still teaching, you're still an example, or as St. Germain would call it, a standard. You're going to find that people come to you in unusual ways, perhaps stopping you while you're shopping at a store, perhaps a co-worker, you hardly talk to, coming up to you one day and starting to ask questions. Or a family member, particularly a family member who you've been estranged from for a while. An ex-husband or wife. A neighbor who you, perhaps you don't even know their first or last name. Suddenly starts coming to you. Sometimes they're going to be embarrassed. Sometimes they're going to act a bit confused, not knowing why they're there. That's when the teaching begins. And teaching, more than anything, is not about lecturing. Teaching isn't grabbing somebody by the, the cuff of their, of their shirt and sitting them down and making them study all of the lessons that you've helped to create these last seven years. Teaching begins with listening. Teaching begins with a full energy, what I'm going to call a full energy scan. They're going to be saying words to you, but notice there's so much else going on. There's going to be facial expressions and body gestures. There's going to be eye movement, and these are the obvious things. Observe everything that's going on. There's going to be things that they don't say that are just as important as the things that they do say. Observe all of this. Then observe their energy. Now, I know you're going to say, but I don't know how to read energy. I don't see colors. That's actually a good thing. Just feel their energy. This is a wonderful time of Nost, to bring Nost in. Nost is the creative knowingness. Nost is beyond the mind. This is the time to listen with Nost. What is really going on here with this person who who just is suddenly approaching you and talking to you. Listen and feel their energy. Before you start lecturing, before you start talking to them, then ask them a few questions. You'll know what to ask. Ask them why they feel that way. Ask them if they felt this way before. Ask them What's really going on inside? That's one of the most important questions. What's really going on inside? You see, humans who come to you, the students, they're going to be saying one thing, but there's going to be many, many other things going on. The humans who are going to come to you as the students are going to be focusing on perhaps a problem or a situation 
that is the most evident and apparent to them. They're looking at a way to relieve some pain for a short period of time. But generally what they're saying isn't going to match what's really going on within. Some of you who have already been doing counseling and healing work know this. You understand the very reason they first come to you has nothing to do with the reality of the situation. So go beyond the surface. Go beyond just the words that they are saying. Listen carefully. You can also do this when you're working with a group or if you're in a classroom situation. Listen carefully. What's going to happen here is you're going to be making a connection with them on a human-to-human basis. You're going to be hearing their words and observing their, their body movements and their actions. But as you are working with the energy of Nast, and you are listening on all levels, you're going to start hearing them on all levels as well. It's an amazing and and interesting experience. You're going to go beyond their mind and you're going to start feeling their heart. You're going to start feeling their past, even their past lives. You're going to literally be able to start connecting with their nost, even though it's not activated within them or they're not even aware of what it is. It, It is there. It's in their energy field. It's dormant and it's waiting. When you acknowledge it, when you acknowledge their divinity, the God within them, which again is just laying in a dormant state, it's fast asleep because they put it to sleep. When you begin to acknowledge that and connect with that in a non-mental way, through the heart or whatever you want to call it, divinity to divinity, their entire story is going to start unfolding in front of you. You're going to be getting answers faster than you can even ask the questions. You're going to start getting glimpses of their past. You're going to get glimpses and feelings of their fears. You're going to understand more about them than you possibly want to know about them. One of the reasons why we've said to you over and over again, it's not about you, has been in preparation for being a teacher, because it's going to be very easy to pick up on their thoughts and feelings and emotions, and if you're not careful, to take them as your own. Because you are highly empathetic, you are very much a feeling being. So understand, when you are in this type of situation, it's not about you, you're just picking up on them. The teacher understands that they cannot give the answer. You cannot give the answer. The teacher understands that they are there as a guide. They are there as a beacon of light. and They are there as a standard as a steady, balanced energy. You're not there to take over their problems or even solve their problems. That is one thing about a new energy teacher. You're not there to solve their problems for them. You are there to help them discover their own answers. You are there to help them unwrap 
the solution for themselves. This is the greatest form of empowerment, the greatest form of teaching. As you probably noticed, the greatest teachers of all aren't the ones who, who lecture, aren't the ones who stand on a soapbox and tell others what to do. They're simply a steady, a standard, a balance, so that other people can discover their own. We talk about the word teachers, and we know some of you have um, your concerns about it. Some of you wonder if you have what it takes to be a teacher. You envision yourself up in front of a group, and then you block that because you say, I cannot possibly be in front of a group. Some of you think of a teacher as also a counselor. and You think, how could I possibly counsel others when I have so much of my, many of my own issues? But Chambra, you don't have to solve the problem. You don't have to lecture. It's just about guiding. It's just about being there and being steady. Being steady for them when their life is in a chaos and in turmoil, where they've gotten so lost in their own illusion, where they've so gotten so confused in their own mind that they don't know how to get out. You become the example, or as St. Germain says, the standard. No matter what you say, it's not that important. You become this example of balanced energy and integrated energy, integrated on every level, integrated masculine and feminine, integrated human and angel, integrated old energy and new integrated in all aspects of your being. So you now become the example to them. Now, yes, many other things are going on as you are involved in your teaching work. They are talking, they are crying, perhaps they are jumping up and down, they are going to some type of cathartic breakdown. That has very little to do with anything that's going on. It's easy to get distracted by these things, you see. It's easy to focus all your attention on their breakdown, their meltdown, because that is what they need at that point. They need someone like you or anyone else they can find to give them attention, and this attention is letting them feed. Have you ever noticed how you can sit with somebody and go through not just a few tears of release, but a when they're going through an intense breakdown, they're draining energy off of you. They're feeding. You ever notice how when they're done with their breakdown, they give you a big hug and they tell you that they, they love you immensely and you're, you've been so helpful to them, and you're sitting there drained and in shock and wondering what just happened? <laughs> they're feeling better. They walk out the door and say, you're the best friend that they ever had, until, of course, you don't answer the phone in the middle of the night. <laughs> so teaching is going to be a bit different. And we know you have, have preconceived notions about this whole concept of teaching. Yes, it, for some of you it will involve being in front of a, of a group of humans. Some of you will find great, great joy in doing that, guiding a group once a week or once a month. But for many of the, the rest of you, it's going to be going along in your life, 
enjoying your life, and just being there for those who come to you, who need that example. Your example of balanced energy, and yes, you do have it, that example of balanced energy becomes a template for them. They can literally feel your balance, your light, and your integration. They can then say, I can do that also within me. They use you as the, as the benchmark or the example. They don't take away your energy at this point. They're just saying it can be done. They're going to mirror you within themselves. And if they do it properly, they're going to use their own inner resources to develop the same type of integration for themselves that you have within you. As we continue now, as we move into the teacher series and we move into you actually being teachers, you're going to find that it's going to be much different than some of the ideas that you might have had. Some of you are going to be teachers in, in a different way. You're going to be promoted at work. You're going, to be, you're going to be promoted to a job where you have responsibility to others. You'll be their boss. That is a teacher. You're being promoted because somewhere the energies in the company, with management, feel it is appropriate for you to be moving into this area. They don't understand all of these things you've been going through the past few years. They don't understand the movement of consciousness, but they know that there's something different about you. They know you have a quality. They're going to use words like stable, wise, seem to always know the answer, leave some of them scratching their heads, not really sure what it is, but just knowing that there's something about you. Some of you will get promotions. Some of you will find yourselves in a situation with teaching family members. Some of you come from families, have incarnated into families that are having serious emotional issues and emotional abuses, and abuses that have taken place for lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. Energies that need to be cleared now. And as you move into the role of being a teacher, you're going to move to the forefront in your own family. They're going to start coming to you in a bit different way. They're coming to you as a teacher, as an example, and as one who can help balance and heal some of these very old family wounds, a type of karmic wound. They're going to be coming to you because you've cleared those within yourself. You've cleared your own personal karma. You've cleared the family karma or the ancestral karma issue. So you're going to move into a new teacher role with your family. Teaching comes in many many different ways. Some, of course, are going to be writing books. I want to make a footnote about that, that many of you have felt frustrated. You've wanted to write books. You've had wonderful ideas. There are storerooms or warehouses of ideas on, this, on these other realms, the crystalline and the celestial realms, filled with your ideas. I haven't been manifested on earth yet. Some of you have had ideas for inventions 
or songs or so many different things and you've been frustrated that they haven't come into fruition. You've been frustrated that things seem to get in the way and then you blame yourself, you get angry and upset. Why haven't you found the time to do it? Why hasn't the inspiration been there? Quite frankly, because you've been busy working on so many other things, working on your own consciousness evolution. Have you realized that, particularly in these last few months, that it has been very difficult to initiate new projects? And the ones you've initiated, it is like struggling through them, because so much of your energy has been consumed, tied up within yourself on this whole consciousness shift that you've been making. That changes now. That changes. Now, not to say that everything's going to be a breeze. You're still in duality. You're still dealing with old energy all around you. But you're going to have your own renewed sense of clarity about how to do it, about how to use this energy of Nost as the solution and as the manifestation. So for those of you who have been frustrated by not being able to write that book or create that song, wondering what has been going on lately, it's just you've been tied up with many other different things. That changes now, as I said. Now is the time to, to get on the computer, to get out the paintbrushes, to get out the notebooks and the sketchbooks. We're deviating here a bit, but it is no coincidence that all of this work with your organization, Crimson Circle, it's no, it's no coincidence that they are working right now and you are working right now to put this together to support your ideas and your concepts, to support it either, either in consciousness or to help support it financially or to help support it in manifesting it on earth. The Crimson Circle is yours. You're building your own, your own type of incubator, your own type of um, development machine now to get your ideas and creations off the ground. Obviously, we're going to be talking much in, these, in this series about teachers, what it's like to be a teacher, some of the challenges of being a new energy teacher in an old energy world. Keep yourself open to different concepts of what a teacher is. Watch in particular here, from, from this point forward, things that come into your life, people, situations, nothing is a mistake. Everything is coming to you for a reason. When it does, listen carefully, scan and feel all of the energies, bring in your energy of Nost. You'll have a much grander, broader understanding about what's going on. I'd like to take a few moments to review what has been going on these past few months. In our last shout of the Clarity Series, we said that that it was time. It was time for the teaching to begin. That is why you came to earth. You didn't come here to clean up karma. You didn't come here to just sit under the shade tree. 
You didn't come here because Spirit accidentally diverted you down here. You came here in this lifetime to be a teacher, to be ready and available during a time of unprecedented consciousness shift. There's never been a shift like this in humanity, ever, even in the times of Atlantis. Sometimes we and you tend to talk about Atlantis very, uh, or even Lemuria, very romantically. But actually there were very difficult times. Consciousness moved much, much slower back then because we were still getting used to it. We were still getting used to being in a physical body. We're still, in a sense, pissed that we'd ever taken on the physical body and, and agreed to do this journey on earth. But now you've gotten in stride with it. You're used to your physicality. You're used to operating in, in a physical material world. Now you accept it as second nature. Now, now you're ready to move into a faster-paced consciousness. And as you have discovered in these years that we spent together, a consciousness change can be difficult, can be challenging. Consciousness shift is not necessarily what you think it's going to be. Consciousness shift sometimes blows apart all of the old concepts and the old ideas, this, this idea of being the superhuman. Consciousness shift doesn't see you that way. It doesn't see you as just a superhuman with superpowers. It doesn't really understand it that way. It sees you as spirit and divine. So these past seven years you've learned a tremendous amount about the way consciousness shifts and the way you adapt to it. But right now it is going faster than ever. And yes, some of the some of the very reasons why you're seeing the the wars that are taking place and potential wars coming up is the consciousness is moving so fast, it's bringing these issues up. Zoom type. <laughs> Nost. <laughs> You see it in the world all around you. It's no different than what you've been going through all of these years. Remember the battles and the skirmishes that you had with yourself? The issues that were brought to the surface because of the changing consciousness within you? The difficulties and the trials and tribulations that you went through, your own internal battles. Huh? You're just now seeing it outside of you. You're seeing old issues, for instance, with Hapuru the family of Hapuru, which is both the Jews and the Palestinians. It's the Jewish world and the Muslim world. It's, it's an old family issue that's being pushed to the forefront. It's demanding resolution right now. The energies have been in balance for a long time. and It's demanding resolution. How they will resolve it depends on them. They could do it through destruction, which sometimes is a very interesting resolution energy, as you've found in your own lives. Destruction can certainly clear out old energies, get energies moving again. Or they can do it 
I can do it in other ways, more peaceful ways, more enlightened ways. So the last couple of months have been going very, very quick. If you felt stuck in certain projects, or if things haven't moved um, forward on a material level, it's because you've been going, undergoing your own transformation. Now, we talked at our annual gathering about this energy of Nast, an energy that is yours. It doesn't come from us. It's yours. It's been there. It's just been unactivated. It's been idle for a variety of reasons, going all the way back to the Atlantean times where we basically locked it out of consciousness, going to the times also where you simply didn't want that. You wanted a different type of experience without Nost. What is it like to just utilize body, mind, and spirit? And I define spirit here as being life force energy. Sometimes there is a question, well, what do you mean by spirit? I'm not talking about um, a god. I'm not talking about a, a particular entity or deity. I talk about spirit as life force energy. You wanted to find out what it was like just to have body, mind, and spirit. How they would operate without this element of Nost. But in our recent gathering, we brought Deunost back in. Back in for those of you who choose to use it. Nost is a brilliant energy. Nost is creative knowingness. Nost is the energy that, and the portion of you, an aspect of you, that can take an idea or a concept, can take something that is very creative, an inspiration, and then channel those energies down through the through your interdimensional realms and help them to manifest or become solid, stable, and balanced here in this realm. You are very interdimensional on your own right. You have many, many uh, levels within you. You are only operating in a, in a small uh, spectrum of those levels right now as a human being. Nost opens the doorway uh, to, to integrate many of these intradimensional levels within you. You're going to find this energy of Nost to be invaluable. It's, a, it's an incredible tool to help you manifest ideas and dreams in this reality. Again, it is very difficult to talk about Nost because it is not an energy that originates from the mind. It cannot be manipulated by the mind. It absolutely will resist that. It cannot be limited by the mind. So the Nost energy is its is in its own realm. Now, the interesting thing is you're going to find that your mind is more than happy to, to work with Nost. Your mind is going to, in, to get into stride with it as you begin to use it. The mind will understand it has a, a new friend, and it has a companion that's going to take much of the burden off of the mind. 
The mind initially is going to try to control it because that's how the mind has been programmed until now. But as you start to use NOS, the mind will let go, the mind will stop trying to control, and just allow this solution of NOS to come in. Then the mind will do what it does best. It will, it will help to keep things organized. It will keep its database and data banks of information, and it will help to, to materialize some of the final phases, some put into action some of the things that you need to do as a creator who's also living on Earth right now. The mind, for instance, knows how to drive a car. Nas doesn't necessarily know how to do that. The mind knows how to operate your computer devices. Nost will make it a more fulfilling and creative experience, but it is the mind that controls the hands and the fingers and some of the stored information, such as the language that you use. The mind is wonderful at doing these things. Nost is going to allow you to manifest and create without all of the struggle. And again, it takes, it takes you using it more than anything. It takes you allowing it to come into your life. And we know it is, it is a bit of a paradox because, because you say, but how do I use it? Define NOST. Help me to create a picture. And we can't. There is none. You can only bring it in and use it in your life. Now, as more and more Shambra work with the energy of Nost, you'll be able to define it better and more, more accurately. You'll have more of a, of a database or an experience base from which to talk about it or discuss it. But right now Nost is a simple, beautiful energy. Again, it doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from some far-off <clears throat> God-being. It doesn't come from Earth. It comes from you. We mentioned that Nost was, was basically lost or deactivated for a long time. It is time now for it to come back, but you notice that we didn't do a Nost activation because we literally are not trying to reactivate something from before. We're not trying to bring back the Nost that you knew in the early Atlantean days. It is different now. It is a totally different energy, and it serves you different. It is the missing piece that I spoke about recently. I'm going to ask you, and I will continue to ask you, to use it over and over again. Sometimes you may become frustrated because you don't know how to use it. It may seem to elude you at times. It takes a while to reintegrate this into your, into your material life right now. Continue to work with it. Continue to breathe with it. And always remember, it's not coming from outside of you. It's already within. It's one of the four components that was built into the design of the human being long before you ever came to Earth. I had the physical body, the mind, 
The spirit is your life force energy and nost, the creative knowingness. Don't mistake nost with divinity. That is an entirely different discussion. But we're talking about the four tools that the human, the divine being brought with them to earth. So we talked about nost. We brought that that remembrance back when we met several weeks ago. Then Katumi came in, came back. It was such a delight to to have him back. Such a del- and by the way, I have to say that um, he says that he was he was off writing books, and that that took him no time at all to do that. <laughs> he was literally off in other realms, far far away from the earth realm, in other dimensions, in the. Um, it's very difficult to describe, but in the angelic or galactic realms, doing some very, very important work in helping to adjust energies. As we have talked to you about before, when before you came to Earth, back in what we call the Star Wars days, everything came to a standstill. Everything stopped. All of the energy stopped flowing. That is when it was decided to create this place called Earth to to seek resolution to why why the, all the energies outside of home came to a standstill. Well, those energies have been waking up recently. Those energies have been coming back to life. If you could imagine just freezing everything, stopping everything, until some resolution was reached on this place you call planet Earth. Some resolution was reached through the order of the ark. Everything was stopped in, in all of the other parts of creation outside of home. Those have been waking up lately. They've been coming out of their deep freeze and they've been coming back to life. So energies are beginning to move again. Some of you have felt this in your deep dreams because you're intimately connected to, to events that happened a long time ago that have been on hold. So you've been having strange things happen in the night because those energies are coming back to life now. As they come back to life, uh, it is like, or it's almost like you coming out of a sleep. You know how you are groggy and you're uncertain what's going on. You don't even know what day it is. Well, that's what these energies are like way back there. Even though it took place in the past, it is still as much in the present as you are right now. So as these old energies are waking up, they tend to be confused. They tend to be a bit um, grumpy. (laughs) They tend to be very hungry for energy. Kazumi has been working with a team that has been going back to these awakening energies to to help them understand what is going on, to help them understand that there's this place called Earth that was created created to help them find resolutions to their issues. This place of Earth is finally raising its level of consciousness and is causing all of these other realms and dimensions to wake up. So there is quite a bit going on in those levels. That's why some of you some days uh, might feel scattered, might feel um, a bit frustrated. You are feeling your home, your angelic families. So he's been back for the past year of time working with these awakening 
dimensions or realities from the past. There's a significant impact. Uh, It's hard to explain here, but there's a significant impact on what happens on earth to what happens in all of the other realms. Take, for instance, a thought of yours. Just a thought here for a moment that, boy, I wish Tobias would not carry on like this today. I'm getting so sleepy sitting here in my chair. Now that one simple thought has its own identity, has its own, uh, if we were to make an analogy in, in in your world right now, it has its own zero and one coding to it. It's like a digital pattern, but it's it's not digital, it's consciousness. It has its own imprint. Now that one single thought basically goes out into the other realms, and on our side of the veil, it caused that single thought causes a thousand plus responses to take place on our side. There are angels who have to work at balancing and shuttling those energies. Every single thought that you have like that has a thousand reverberations on our side. Those reverberations even reach back into time, back into where everything came to a standstill. So you can imagine the amount of work that has to be done here on our realms, basically helping to continually balance and adjust every piece of consciousness that you develop. We told you a long time ago, you're at the forefront. You're not at the backside of the angelic realms, you're at the forefront. Everything you do has an impact back here. So please stop thinking so much. <laughs> Give us a day of rest. <laughs> but seriously, the, the impact of your consciousness changes has awoken all of these other energies. Kathumi has been busy with that even though he's quite the character, quite the comedian. Dear Kathumi is one of the wisest and simplest beings I have ever met. And I say simple with the highest form of respect. When a being, any entity, can simplify their energy, can simplify everything about themselves, they are truly sovereign. Sovereign being is not is not a complex one. Sovereign being doesn't have all of these um, uh, complex uh, systems within them. They become very simple. Why? Because everything is integrated. Everything comes integrated back into a very simple angelic resonance. Kathumi is simple. Kathumi is wonderful. That is why he was asked by the order of the ark and particularly by Archangel Mikael, to go back and work with some of these old energies that are waking up. He talked to you recently also about the energy of Nast, the solution. The fact that, no, you really don't have problems, you just haven't let a solution come into your life. And I'm speaking not to just Shambra, I'm speaking all to all who will listen. You just haven't had a solution. Kathumi brought it in such a beautiful and simple way. And then, of course, then of course, Saint Germain came in to really push your buttons. Saint Germain talked about the initiation of the Order of the Crimson Circle on Earth. As you remember, Saint Germain 
is responsible for the energies of organization and management and manifestation. Saint Germain helps to ground and solidify energies. He's an expert. He's the one who could turn stone into into gold. He's the one who could make water appear out of nowhere, even in the middle of the desert. He understands that all energy is available. All energy is his canvas. He is the artist, and he can bring it into a structure, into the illusion, perhaps, of structure, but into a structure to serve him in any way. He understands. He is the master of letting every energy serve him. So he came in to initiate the crimson circle on earth. The crimson circle's energy was broad and beautiful, but now it was time for the real work. It was time to go beyond just the talk. It was time to stop just gathering once a month and having discussions about, about life. It was time for you to go out and do the work. By initiating the Order of the Crimson Circle, Saint Germain is helping you, working with you, to solidify and structure these energies. You're going to see a structure with Crimson Circle. Some of you, some of you may be a little bit frightened of it. You're going to see a building, and then two, and then three, and then worldwide. You're going to see Chambre service centers in structures, in buildings. You're going to see an energy flow or energy guidelines around those in order to keep that energy and that structure in its healthiest possible state of being. You're going to see the crimson circle itself not just operating in the other realms. We told you a long time ago, Chambre University was created years ago decades ago, actually, in the other realms. You had the longing to bring it to earth and St. Germain, by initiating the energy, structuring the energy, has allowed it to become easier, faster, allowed you to have the tools that you need or desire as teachers of the new energy. He initiated those who were willing as standards of new energy. The initiation is about acceptance. He was basically asking you, do you accept this role? Do you choose to move forward? Do you choose to do your passion in life? Or do you want to stand on the sidelines and continue to talk about it? Do you want to just dream it, or do you want to do it? That seems like an obvious question with an obvious answer. But there are those who prefer to dream and not to do. Dreaming creates a sense of longing and desire, which in itself is an addictive energy. Dreaming lets you always hold it outside of you, never truly having to take responsibility. Dreaming is a very, how can I say, a dreamy energy, a soft and fluffy energy. You dream all these wonderful things, but Can you go beyond being a dreamer and be a creator? Bring it into these realms on earth. That is why you are here. You came to earth to do it, to manifest it in the densest energy 
ever known. So, St. Germain, by asking you, if you choose to be initiated, was asking you, do you choose to go beyond dreaming and to manifest and to do it and to take responsibility for it, not to have him or I, Tobias, do it for you, but to do it yourself? Of course, it brought up issues. The surface issue, if you were to look at it, is about your past lives in orders. As St. Germain said, you were thrown out. You were asked to leave. But you were asked to leave, not because you had done wrong, even though that's um, what you have felt in your heart. You were asked to leave because you had outgrown it, because the elders of those orders, working with angelic beings on our side, knew that you were stagnating your energy by staying within the order. You were suppressing your own growth. You'd gone beyond what the order could give you, and even beyond what you could give back to the order. So you were asked to leave, go out on your own, so that you could become your own sovereign order first. So when St. Germain talked about the initiation, it brought up those, all of those images, all those remembrances from the past about being asked to leave. But also what was really going on, and some of the very difficult issues, the buttons that were getting pushed, were about, are you ready to go beyond dreaming and wishing and hoping? Are you willing to go beyond some of this creative work and creator work that you do during your sleep state, that you do in some of these astral realms, are you willing to bring it into earth now? That is a difficult question. It takes a different type of human angel being to go beyond the dreams and really let it manifest here on earth. Because then it becomes very obvious, once, once you begin manifesting it and bringing it into your reality, it's right in front of you. So there are all the questions about, am I a good enough creator? Or am I too good of a creator? Are you such a good creator that you make a joke about moving heaven and earth, and the next thing you know there's a tremendous storm outside of your house that nearly rips your house and all the trees down? It makes you think twice about your ability, your capability as a creator. So he was pushing your button, saying, are you for real? Are you for real? Or are you just going to continue dreaming about it? Tough issues. Tough issues. He talked also the fact that if you choose the initiation, you choose to become a standard of the Order of the Crimson Circle, that you would now have a correspondent. He carefully chose the word correspondent. He did not say guide. Guide has a totally different connotation. But a correspondent is an angelic being in our realm who comes in. It's different than a runner. Runners have a responsibility for balancing and shuttling energies back and forth. A correspondent is basically an angelic being 
who has been on earth before, who has been highly trained in some of the schools on our side about the new energy, about your role as a teacher. The correspondent is a one-to-one interface with you from our side to yours. Correspondent is not one who is going to do it for you, but the correspondent is going to continue, continually help balance your energies on our side. The correspondent is also going to continually be relaying information to you and energy to you from the Crimson Council. Correspondent is going to be perhaps what you would say a teacher's aide, a helper that you have specifically in your teaching work, not not in your general life, not, not taking care of paying your bills and things like that. But the correspondent is going to correspond on the angelic realms to what you're doing on the earth realm. So when you're sitting in front of a group of students, human students, like we are right now, talking to, to a group of wonderful divine humans, the correspondence angels that have now come in are helping Kaldra and us and you to see more than that tiny, narrow spectrum of consciousness. The correspondent helps to see the full spectrum of what's going on on our realms and in yours. So you will have that energy to work with. Again, we know that St. Germain pushed many buttons, and he intended to. He loves doing that. <laughs> How does the old saying go? He, he actually helped you to install some of the buttons just so he could push them. <laughs> so, Shambra, the last few months have been, have been fast-paced, much consciousness change. You're going to start realizing it in your, in your everyday life. I'd also like to tell a short story today, <laughs> just a short one, a short one perhaps that will help to illustrate some of your journey and the journey of the students that you're going to be working with. So let's all take a deep breath here. And feel the energies again in in our dimension, our space that we've created, there's no feeding going on. Amazing. No feeding. So you're not feeling those energy pulls that you sometimes do when you're here. You're not feeling the energy drain. You're sitting in this sovereign energy together. So I'd like to tell the story of Jolie. Jolie was a beautiful, beautiful young queen. And the kingdom that she ruled over was called Tybus. This is semi-fictional, somewhat real. It's a conglomeration of the energies of so many of you. So feel yourself now as I tell the story of Queen Jolie. <laughs> and while I tell this story, I'm going to ask you in particular to feel the awakening energies of these places where Kathumi has been off working with, 
places that existed a long time ago, places that you came from, places that right now are reaching out to you in a variety of different ways. When I said you are going to be a teacher, I didn't just say you are going to be teaching humans here on earth. We'll discuss more of that later. So Jolie was a, was a beautiful young queen, and she ruled over Tybus. And the lands of Tybus stretched as far as the eye could see and then beyond. Sometimes it was said, said that the sun never set on Tybus because it was so large, so vast. Of course, as a queen, she inherited her role on the throne from her mother, who was also a queen, who inherited from the father, who was the king. She come, came from a lineage of royalty. So as she was growing up, young Jolie very rarely went outside of the walls of the kingdom, very rarely went out onto the lands of Tybus. She was trained from a very early age to be a ruler, to be royalty. She was structured and disciplined to understand the rules and the laws of the land. And she was trained to be a judge and a jury for those who would someday come before her when she was queen. She inherited the throne at a very young age. And she was given the responsibility now of hearing the complaints, hearing the cases, hearing all of the, the various arguments that were going on with the people of the kingdom, and having to make decisions and rules and judgments. Each day they would come before her. Sometimes it would be a newly married couple who was quarreling and arguing, and they couldn't resolve their differences, so they were brought in, in front of Queen Jolie to make a ruling. And she would. She would consider both sides of the energy, and then she would make her judgment, and it would be done, no questions asked, or heads would roll. Sometimes there were land disputes. Landowners would come to her with the complaints that one had stolen land from the other, had moved the, the markers that blocked off different sections of land. And with very little knowledge about what was really going on, she would have to make a ruling, either with one side or the other. And people would come to her with all sorts of problems and issues. And her days were filled with nothing but handing down rules and regulations, and then making sure that every word within her ruling was abided by. She was fair, and she was honest as she could be. She understood that she had a responsibility to everyone in the kingdom. She had an understanding of the responsibility that her word meant everything, so therefore she must handle her word very sacredly. She must handle every case that came before her with honor and with balance. But as a few years went on of handing down rulings, she got very bored and frustrated with her job. She wondered to herself each night when she went off to her own chambers, there's got to be a better way of doing this. There's got to be a better way of just handing down rulings 
to those who are having conflicts because they're not learning anything. They're not learning how to solve the problems. They're not learning how to work it out amongst themselves. They're just coming here for the final judgment and the final say. Sometimes Queen Jolie would say to herself, I don't even know if I made the right decision. I know so little about those who come in front of me. I know so little. Did they really commit that crime that they were accused of? Did they really steal from their from their family and friends? So she kept on fulfilling her role as a queen, kept on handing down rulings, but this sense of of impatience, feeling of being unsettled, got worse and worse and worse to the point where she was getting severe migraine headaches. And in between her severe migraine headaches, of course all of her court cases were backing up. More and more people in confusion looking to her for the answer. When she wasn't having a migraine headache, she had a cold or a flu or some other type of affliction because she wasn't happy with what she was doing. So she gave herself these things in order to avoid having to go back each day and make rulings. Of course now things were getting worse in the kingdom because nobody was there to to rule on what should go on. One day out of total frustration and total despair, she had her guards call in the old wise man from the woods. Oh, all these good stories have the old wise man from the woods. And because she knew some stories, she knew there must be an old wise man in the kingdom somewhere. So they brought him in. They brought him to her private chambers. And she talked to the old wise man and said, I'm so frustrated in what I'm doing. I have no joy or happiness in it. What frustrates me the most is that nobody is learning. They just keep going about doing the same things they've always done, and they know that if it gets to the worst situation, they have to come before me for a ruling. So I almost feel like I'm, I'm picking up and feeling all of their guilt and shame, all of their issues, and I don't want that anymore. She said, I want to be a teacher. I want to teach instead of judge. I want to teach instead of rule. So old wise man, what can I do? And the old wise man sat back and took a deep breath because that's what old wise men do. (laughs) And he said, you must give up your title as queen. You must Walk away from this beautiful, magnificent palace. You must disguise yourself as a commoner. You must go off to a small village somewhere where nobody knows you, and then you can begin your work as a teacher. Now, Jolie was a bit concerned about all this because this meant a major change in her life. And she didn't know if she could truly disguise herself, and she didn't know if she could give up the comfort of this beautiful mansion, this beautiful palace that she lived in. But after a bit of contemplation and thinking about serving another 
30, 40, 50 years every day making rulings and judgments? She said, I'll do it. Now the old wise man, of course, said, said, always expect the unexpected. Things aren't what they seem. (laughs) Keep your eyes open. Keep yourself in a balanced and stable place. So several weeks later, the Queen wrote a lengthy note and said she was going off to visit some foreign lands all by herself. She wanted to see what lay beyond the ocean. She made arrangements and that nobody should come and try to find her, that she would return some day in the meantime. Anybody who had problems and issues, needed rulings, should see one of the others in her court. She packed very few things so that she could disguise herself as a commoner, and she went off into one of the small villages where she had never gone before, a village called Commonville. (laughs) And she said, this is where I'm going to begin my teaching work. She said, this is where I'm going to truly um, begin to find my passion. She was so excited about it, thinking that she could teach everyone in Commonville all these wonderful and wise things. She took up residence with a family who were renting out a room. They needed the extra money. They had a lot of problems. They had financial problems. They had problems with each other. They were fighting all the time. Jolie thought to herself, this is an excellent place to start my teaching work. So she moved in unpacked and immediately began to try to teach them. She didn't actually know what teaching was. She didn't understand what all of it was about, but she went out to the father and the family and started to say, well, the reason that you're having all these financial problems is because you're not balancing your budget, you're spending more than than you make, you're only working a few days a week, and therefore you don't have enough money to feed your family. Because of that, your family's arguing and fighting with each other. And she had a big smile on her face as she talked to Bob, the father of the family. And he pounded his hand on the table, enough so that it scared Jolie a bit. And he said, who are you to tell me about my finances? You have no idea. I'd like you to leave the room and never try to talk to me about how to handle my situation until you've walked in my shoes. She knew that there was a lot of family problems, and she knew that the young teenage girl by the name of Susan was having a lot of issues with the family, with boyfriends, with things in her life. So she thought, well, I'll be a teacher to Susan instead. She sat down with Susan said, now you're having problems with this boy because he's trying to control you and he's not giving you the type of attention that you want, and here's what you need to do. And she gave Susan a bit of advice, and Susan reared back, had a frown on her face, and said, who are you to tell me what I should do with my boyfriend? You're not even married. You've never probably been with a man before, and yet you come in and you're trying to solve my problems? Get out of my room immediately. What was 
within a few days, with Jolie trying to teach everyone in the in that house, trying to actually <sighs> preach to them, that she was thrown out on the streets. She learned a valuable lesson here. She learned the lesson that there's a lot of people that actually don't want their problems solved. If you're going to be a teacher, you can't force yourself on those who choose to hold on to their problems. Well, Jolie didn't give up in Commonville. Soon she found a few friends by hanging around at the restaurant, and she got to know a lovely young lady by the name of Barbara. And they got to talking. And Barbara was filled with all sorts of problems and issues. And, of course, Jolie was trying to help her, trying to resolve the issues, but she just couldn't seem to get through to, to her new friend Barbara. And Barbara just carried on and on and on about her health problems and her emotional problems, carried on and on about about how many times she'd been married, carried on all the time about how her kids were in all this trouble. Jolie was very concerned because she wasn't able to help her friend Barbara either. And one day she just had to walk away, just had to leave and stop trying to be a teacher to Barbara. And here she learned a very valuable lesson as well. There's some people that really don't want the help. Some people that just want to talk about how their problems are the grandest of all. They're not looking for resolution. Sometimes they just want to have that, um, that energy of knowing that their problems are bigger and better, that they're more special than any other human. Now, Jolie, was getting a bit distraught at this whole teaching thing, but she decided to keep trying. And she met a young man, a young man that had um, an interest in her. And Jolie had an interest in him to help teach him. She was willing to do anything at this point to teach. She spent... <clears throat> she spent... She spent the evenings, she spent days with him, talking and chatting, and every time she left him, his name was Jim, every time she left, she felt exhausted and drained, <laughs> to the point where she felt herself getting sick again. She felt herself totally depleted to the point one day she said, I just cannot see you anymore. I can't try to be a teacher to you anymore. And from this she learned a valuable lesson as well. There are some people that really don't want to change. They just want to take your energy. It's exactly what he was doing with her, just stealing her energy. So, to make a long story even longer. make a long story even longer, Jolie finally became so frustrated with trying to teach in Commonville that she, she left. She went off to try to find the old man in the woods. And sure enough, she did. And she sat down and she said, I wanted to be a teacher. I had such a passion, such a passion. But none of it worked. The people didn't want to change. They wanted to hold on to their problems. 
They just wanted to feed off of me. They just wanted to talk about how grand and special their problems were, but they didn't really want to do anything. So what am I supposed to do now? Where am I supposed to go? And the old man in the woods took a deep breath, as the old man in the woods always do. <laughs> it says, part of the problem, part of the problem here, Jolie, one of the things I've tried to warn you about is that you didn't have the, the experience, you didn't have the knowingness to truly be a teacher. You, you had the passion, but you didn't have the experience. Now you have to go off to another town, to a different place. You have to take on and experience all the problems that, that common people have. You have to go off to this place called Plainfield. You have to get married. You have to have children. You have to take on a job. You have to forget that you were ever the queen. You have to forget that you ever wanted to be a teacher. You have to go there and just live and experience what it is like to have all these problems and issues so that you have true and deep empathy for the very ones that you want to teach. Jolie thought about where she'd come from. She thought about the kingdom. She thought about her passion. She didn't know where else to go. So she took the old man's advice. She went off to Plainfield. She got married. She had children. And soon she forgot. She forgot about why she was there. She was living like everyone else. And this went on for year after year after year, totally forgetting that she ever had been queen of this grand land of Tybus. Until one day, of course, she felt something come over her. She felt like a shaking and rumbling within. She felt everything in her life start to change. And Now, she couldn't remember where she had come from, but she knew that something was going on. She was going through a reawakening. Now, having forgotten where she came from, forgotten why she went out on this long journey, but feeling that there was something wrong inside, feeling very confused and frustrated, not knowing where else to turn, she was wandering off in the woods one day and, of course, came across the old wise man and said, old wise man, of course, he recognized her, old wise man, there's something changing in my life, and I don't know what it is. Something I'm unhappy with. I, I was a wife. I was a mother. I had a good job, but none of this is satisfying anymore. So what's going on? I heard that you're an old wise man who can help me. <laughs> so the old wise man sat her down, and of course he remembered her as the queen. He remembered her as the teacher. And he told her this story told her how he remembered her. Of course, she didn't believe it. She couldn't accept the fact that she had been queen. This was too grandiose. She couldn't accept the fact that she gave up being the queen of the great land of Tybus to go out and be a teacher. That seemed crazy. She couldn't accept the fact that she had even gone off to Plainfield and forgotten 
about who she was, gone into a commoner's life. And the old wise man said, you did that so you would have the empathy, so that you could be the teacher, so that you could help your people. She got very upset with him, very angry. She felt fear. She felt nauseous. She felt uncertain and disoriented because it was all shaking up her reality, her reality that she was just a common person. The old wise man said, yes, yes, you asked me to sit down and talk to you and remind you of who you are. Remind you that now that you have developed the empathy, living living like everyone else, living in the illusion, living in mass consciousness, now you can be a teacher. Before you were trying to be a preacher. Before you were trying to go out and tell other people how to live. But now you can truly feel what they have gone through. You have the heart and the soul and the empathy. Now you can go out and do what you originally set out to do. And in that moment, Jolie remembered everything. She remembered being queen. She remembered going out to Commonville and trying to change everyone. She remembered going into this deep sleep, this coma of consciousness, so she would forget, so she could live like everyone else. She remembered that she had set out to do this, in order to truly serve her kingdom and all of its peoples. In that remembrance, she woke up, she looked the old wise man in the eyes, and she said, thank you. Thank you for being here with me the whole time, this whole way. It's been an incredible journey. Now I can go out and teach. Now I can have that passion I have sought forever. She hugged him and kissed him. said, by the way, I forgot to ask you your name, old wise man. And he smiled as he put his feet up on, on the ottoman, took a sip of his wine and a puff of his cigar and said, my name is Tobias. Nashambra, I tell you a very long story. I could have made it much longer, by the way. I tell you this story because it is you. I've been with you all this time. Some of you have a hard time accepting that you were leaders and rulers of angelic families. You have a hard time balancing that, don't you? kind of sends you. You have a hard time understanding that you were chosen by your angelic family to come here to Earth, representing one of the 144,000 energies of the Order of the Ark. You have a hard time understanding that you would have given up being royalty for your angelic family, given that up so that you could help to teach them, so they could learn from you. You have a hard time understanding that you would have, would have ever left your angelic home to come here to disguise yourself as a human, as a commoner, as Bob, as Pat, as Mary, as whoever you are. 
dress like everyone else, act like everyone else. St. Germain pushed a few buttons when he talked to you. He said, you are special. You are teachers. This is a special group. Pushed a couple buttons because you have a hard time accepting that. You've gotten so lost in the consciousness, the common consciousness. But I'm here to remind you, I'm the old wise man. I'm here to remind you of why you left, why you left your angelic family. I'm here to remind you of how you've tried to fulfill this passion of being a teacher and you've stumbled a few times in the past. How when you really submerged yourself in this energy of earth and humanity, and you developed the empathy and the insight and the wisdom, so now you can be a teacher. You're going to be a teacher, not just to the humans here on earth, but a teacher to your awakening family back home. And so it is. And so it is.